The Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2009. Here's Paul sharing on Step 10. Hi, my name's Paul and I'm an alcoholic. And I'm very grateful to be here today and um, a very me- a grateful member of Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, it's because of groups like this you know, that, that I've been able to um, give up the booze one day at a time. And um, I've been a bit crook over the weekend um, with the flu. And my alcoholic head told me yesterday morning that I've got swine flu and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. And, and as we do, is we're, we're pretty good hypochondriacs. And, um, yeah, and it was a bit of a battle to get here today, but I'm, I'm absolutely grateful that I'm here and... Um, it's always great to see familiar faces and also there's a lot of faces here I've never seen before and it's wonderful and um, very nervous as usual when I speak in large groups of large people but I think that's just natural, it's part of, part of it and um, and today I can get up here and I just know that's that's an emotion but um, you know, continue to take personal inventory and when we're wrong promptly admit it, what I'm here to speak about today, step 10 and um, you know, first of all, you know, I, th- I think, you know, why, why do we have to do this after we've put ourselves through the for the endurance of the previous nine steps that you, everyone would have heard about. And for me, when I think about that, as I have to continue to do that, um, some days better than others. You know, it is progress rather than fractions, and some days I, I do this quite well, and other days I don't do it well. But for me, the reasons why I need to continue to do this is because I never want to drink again. And um, and that's the biggest thing. You know, I, I don't want to get drunk again. And I know that for me not to do that, I need to stay spiritually fit. And... Um, the other reason why is I want to live, you know, I want to live. And I want to be able to live out there and not be ruled by the fear of alcohol. And today, most days, I'm able to do that, which is a wonderful, wonderful gift. And, um, you know, I, I mix with a lot of young people in the program, and, you know, that's what my home group's about, is, is letting young members come and share their story. And always say to people, is, you know, I always like to, you know, think about things that, you know, as in nightclubs and that kind of stuff to put things in perspective for them and um, always say to people, you know, the worst person on the dance floor is the person not dancing at all, you know, it's that person, that cool dude over over in the room just sitting there bopping his head and all that kind of stuff and you know, and that's the same in this program, you know give it a go and you'll be surprised by the way and the results that you have and um, just touch a bit of my drinking towards the end I was a broken young man um, I came to this fellowship when I was 25. All my relationships were stuffed and I'd pretty much given up all hope to live, as a lot of us do. And, um, you know, my only, because I, I didn't want it to be the booze that was causing me to feel the way I, I was. Um, I was obsessed with alcohol. You know, my dream in life was to have a reality TV show called Pubs, where me and my mates would go and drink at pubs, get pissed, rate the Palmers, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and, and that's, all, that's all I had left. You know, that's the only things I look forward to. And, um, you know, just to give a couple of examples about where I was in conflict with, with people and, and the world and all that kind of stuff. I remember two, you know, two or three weeks before I come to this program, I, I sat in my mum's arms like a baby and said, you know, why mum? Why is the world so against me? And that's what, and that's where my head was. I was unable to admit to myself, you know, I had any part in, 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 in where I was. Um, I had no concept of being honest. I was in a delusional world and, um, just, a, you know, a couple of examples. I, I worked for Aldi stores from the age of 21 to 24 as a store manager. And it was a quite a stressful job and also quite a good-paying job. And, um, and I was on about $80,000 a year as a 21-year-old, and that gave me all the money I wanted to drink piss the way I did, but I hated work. You know, I absolutely hated work with a passion. And 
um, had to work quite long hours and I had this German area manager, his name was Domenicus and he was such a happy man. He was always so enthusiastic and I was a bender drinker and as we can you know, relate to, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday and that job was a bloody nightmare. Wednesday, Thursday I was up and the staff liked me and then it was a nightmare again and my attitudes was you know, up and down like that and I remember Domenicus sitting me down one day saying, Paul, your attitude stinks and he picked up a glass of water just like that and filled it half up. And he said to me, is that half full or half empty? And I said, it's, 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 half, it's, it's half empty, Dominicus. He goes, well, I see that as half full, and that's half your problem. And I picked up that water and I threw it on him. And I, um, <laughs> I said, now it's completely empty, Dominicus, and I walked out of the room. <laughs> now, three weeks later in that job, I was sacked. You know, and I was, I was, set, up, I, I was set up, but I was stupid enough to be set up for... Sack for inventory manipulation, um, where I was manipulating the figures to get better results so I'd get better bonuses. And when I was sacked from that job, I let everyone know how much arseholes Aldi and Dominicus were. You know, I thought he was the worst bloke in the world. I had a mate that was pretty high connected up with the union, and we were going to bring them down. You know, I told my parents, you know, how bad they were, and Dad was going to get the lawyers, and we were going to sue them. You know, I told everyone that here how badly I was treated and how hard I worked, and um. You know, looking back at it now, it was just absolute insane thinking. It was absolute insane thinking. I was unable to be honest. And another good example is I had a wonderful girlfriend. When I got the second job, we did a geographical to Cairns. And um, I set the budget at $500 a week to, to, for my drinking money, and we earned $750 a week between us. And that relationship was very, very unhappy. You know, very, very unhappy. And I couldn't understand. I took up the cans. I was making this money. I was trying to give this wonderful life. And her hair started to fall out through stress. I remember this, you know, I remember this like it was yesterday. And we went, to the, went up to the local Coles to do the shopping. And she went up to buy a $14 thing of shampoo. She put it in the trolley and I looked at her like she had two heads. I took it out of the trolley, put it back on the shelf, went and got the Payless Brown, it was for one ninety eight, and put it in the trolley. I thought, how dare you? You know, how dare you? And I couldn't understand why that relationship deteriorated. I couldn't understand and... And I remember, again, telling everyone what a bitch Lauren was. You know, how dare she question me? Didn't she understand how hard I worked and all that kind of stuff? I didn't understand why this woman resented me. I didn't understand why she didn't want to see me again. Um, and thank goodness these things happened in my life and stuffed me by the age I was 25. Because like I fell in love with the booze, I quickly fell in love with Alcoholics Anonymous. So I knew it would give me a wonderful new life. And... Um, you know, to speak on step 10, you know, I'm, it is progress rather than, than perfection for me. And um, I've got a wonderful sponsor, and he said to me very early on, Paul, you're 25, you're young, you need to go and live your life. Put the seatbelt on, live it fast, you'll make mistakes, you'll do some great stuff and you'll stuff some things up, but come back and tell me about them, and we'll figure it out and we'll fix it. And that's what I did. You know, for the first six months I went out and lived life and not much changed. And guess what? I was miserable. I was absolutely miserable when we started the process of the steps. And um, we identified a lot of character defects in with myself that always put me in conflict with the world. And um, Joe and Charlie put it so well on those wonderful tapes, but when I was threatened in a, you know, in a, in a social security or a sexual manner, I acted like a child, you know, and the world bit back. You know, and the world bit back me, and I ultimately felt unhappy all the time. And... Um, I didn't understand that till I came to this fellowship. And I didn't understand why I acted like a child. And many cents coming to this and giving up the booze for me has been 
growing up a day at a time. You know, it's been learning how to act like an adult outside there, and um, I still, I still, you know, I know resentments of now that I'm one thing that, that make me feel sick in the stomach, and um, it's a funny thing about AA and when you start getting into service and that kind of stuff. I reckon I've had more resentments in these three years of being sober than I didn't when I was on the piss, you know. And that's the great thing about, about being of service and being around people. It actually gives you the ability to work through those things. And um, it was funny, I had a resentment on Friday because um, I had a blue with another member. You know, I went to the meeting and, and um, I went to a meeting when I was meant to be working and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And um, it's funny how, you, you know, when you get to the meeting, when the answers just come to you, you know. Um, the reading that day was live and let live. And um, you know it was around this person's behaviour, and and I was just I wanted to I wanted to ring this person up, tell him how bad he was, why didn't he see my point of view, you know what an idiot he he was, and be you know and belittle him to make myself feel better. And today I know when I do that, it doesn't make me feel better, you know it makes me feel so crook in the guts. And um, around around work, I struggle with work. I'm not a big fan of it. Um, <laughs> I've got a I've got I've got a job which I like, but I just don't like work. And um, I'm actually a sales rep, and I've um, I'm pretty much independent to do what I want to. And some days is a bloody struggle. It really is a struggle. I set myself. I say, Paul, you're going to promise yourself that you're not going to go home. I start every day at seven. I promise myself that I'm not going to go home before one thirty. Right? So it gets about twelve thirty. I think the NBA basketball is on. Bang! I go home. You know, and I watch it, and ultimately. You know, I don't feel good about myself when I do that. And it was a situation, I was about two and a half years sober. And um, I was actually in New South Wales for the um, New South Wales young people in, in, in AA. I went up there for, for, for the weekend and um, I was seeing two girls at once. I um, wasn't working hard. I was knocking off work really early back then, you know, 11 o'clock most days. You know, just getting the job done. I wasn't telling my sponsor the truth. Um, I was in conflict with a couple of friends, and I was also staying with a mate who, who loves the booze. And um, I thought I was going to this convention, you know, to, to, to put in. And I remember that day; it was a beautiful day in Sydney, and I was staying on Darling Harbour. And I walked past the pub, and there was a group of guys on a footy trip in there, and they were having a great time. You know, they had the footy jumpers on, they were drinking. Yahooing, and I sat at the front, and I wanted to be in that pub after two and a half years sober. You know, and I sat there and obsessed for about ten minutes on how wonderful it would be to have a beer. You know, just one, just one or two beers with the lads, and everything would be okay. And thank goodness, there's a bloke upstairs that looks after me, and my roommate, who's also in this fellowship, rang me up, and we didn't chat about the way I felt. You know, we didn't chat about me wanting to go in the pub, but we chatted about what was going on in my life. And I found out pretty quick, smart, the biggest problem was going on in my life was me. You know, I was a problem once again. And, and um, you know, by doing this, I, I now identify what my defects of character are. I hand them over to God, and, you know, God willing, he, he helps me, but I'm human. Some days I do it better than others. And um, each night when I go to bed, I know when I go to bed if I've got this yucky feeling in my tummy that something hasn't quite gone right that day, you know. If I'm resentful, if I'm fearful, if I'm anxious, if I can't sleep because the head's going a million miles an hour, more often than not, I've got to go back and look through the events of that day. 
And sometimes the events of that day aren't real flash, you know. And the next day, oh, I need to go and ring someone. And around this employer, probably about um, four, only about four or five weeks ago, I got in trouble. You know, I got rang up. I'd done a pretty piss poor job at something, and I rang up, and she she went off at me over the phone. And I actually had I had um I had it on loudspeaker, and I had one of the other people, one of our customers in the car, and when she went off at me, and I was absolutely furious at her. I thought absolutely furious, and I thought, how dare she speak to that me way? I was going to get her back and all that kind of stuff. And I stopped for one second. I thought, hang on, if I was actually doing my job the way I was meant to, I wouldn't feel this way. I couldn't get over the power when I rang her up and said, I'm sorry, I haven't been performing this last week. I'll try my hardest again. I couldn't believe how that made that go away and how I felt about myself. And um, it is a journey. Thank goodness it's one day at a time. Um, I got, I got um, wonderful thing about this fellowship is always, you know, we, we see people passing the message on all the time. That's one of the most important things for me is to carry the message, and that's what helps me stay sober. But I was actually at a steps meeting um, probably only about three or four months ago down at Hampton, and, I, and there was a guy that was 20 years sober there, and I know this guy quite well, and he was, he was actually sharing on step nine. And he shared to me that it took him 20 years to become willing to make amends to his wife, his first wife. And I thought, thank goodness. I thought, thank goodness, you know, this guy stayed sober 20 years and he's human as well. Because I thought I had two heads. And I thought, you know, some of these people, you know, I just can't say sorry to them straight away. It does take time. It takes time. And, um, you know, time takes time for me to get well. I'm three years sober. I'm a bit over three years sober. And some days I'm nuts. Some days I'm better, you know, better. But um, I'm grateful to be here today. And thanks for asking me to share. This share and other shares like it are available from our website, stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au. Thanks for letting us share.